Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. Well, stop. He's with you, Cut. Look his f- Honestly. I've gussed it. I've absolutely gussed it. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, welcome on in. It's another edition of Mode Push, the podcast brought to you by KSL Sports, KSL Podcasts, an American view of F1. For a lot of new fans that are out there, this is the end of maybe their first full season of watching F1, right? Or you kind of get into it. I'm only five seasons in, I guess. I feel like I'm an old vet now. Joining me, of course, as usual, uh, Dan Jimenez, my co-host. And we're also welcoming in a new, uh, a new guest with us, Carlos Fortune, who actually works in our building. Here at uh, at KSL Sports, KSL News Radio is where he works and uh, in the building, and is also an F one fan. He's from Spain, and has actually covered some F one in his career. Pushed himself like so many people in our industry. Hey man, will you work for free? And the answer is yes. At some point, you got to do 100%. it. So, uh, Carlos, welcome to the uh, to the podcast. You found out we were doing this because I think we left some tabs open and had some of our stuff up. And you went, dude, are we doing an F one podcast in this building now? That was literally. I came into the studio. You left some tabs. And I'm like, who is in the news about Formula <laughs> One in this building? <laughs> it's like I got to meet another person who might uh, actually like uh, F one racing. But yeah. yeah, here we are having this little uh, secret society of F one lovers here uh, in our building. We're hoping like to. Keep that expanding because it's uh, it. I mean, I've been a sports guy my entire life, and I've told people this a bunch. But my background was in all mainstream American sports. That's the only thing I ever really. It's what I talk about for my job. It's what I I covered growing up as a as a kid. It's what I loved. It was like, and I never thought if you'd have asked me five years ago, eight years ago, man, you do you want to get into racing? It's like no way. I don't like NASCAR that much. I can't get into the the oval racing as much. And now I find myself kind of dipping into all motorsports because F one. Got me going down that road. So, but this is something you've followed your entire life, though. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, so. I moved to, to the U.S. in 2005, and that's when I really got into it. I'm just watching with my dad in the mornings. We get up. I mean, no DVR back then. Get up at 4:30, 5 a.m. Watch the races, and uh, it was it was great. And those for me were the great years because, of course, being from Spain, Fernando Alonso. Oh yeah, 2005, 2006. He rocked it, and yeah, it was it was. Great living. Good time to get into it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you need that connection. I think a lot of people, they go, I had those. It's per- like, I think about the amount of 
Seattle Seahawks games that I watch or Mariners games mm-hmm. with my grandma, you know, or whatever it might be, stuff that I watch with my brothers at all, Rose Bowls, you know, sitting around with my family. It's, it's always that family connection, right? And so this was always weird for me because I'm the only person that I knew that liked F1 in my little yeah. circle. There was no – and then it's like, no, there are people that love it, and so uh, here we are. So I, this is good because I know it's only it's the last race of the season, but uh, we're going to get into this, and we'll break down a few more things, and we'd love to have you periodically on the uh, – on the podcast here. So welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. Uh, Let's start off first about the drama. There's so much drama. Drama. It's so good. And so, first of all, were we in that group of a bunch of mean media people, Dan, who jumped on Max Verstappen? (laughs) I think we, I I don't know if we used the, the terminology is, I don't think we were calling him a jerk, full jerk mode. But maybe that was the case last week when we were. Everybody knew that radio message. I told you, I'm not going to give up that position to Checo. He was a bad teammate in that race, and now this week he's walking it back a little bit. This is uh, audio courtesy of Sky Sports. Here's what he had to say about uh, during the press conferences today. You got me all wrong, man. You guys need to hold, know the full context. We had a bit of um, a miscommunication um, on Saturday and Sunday. Nothing had been said to me about a potential swap or whatever. It only came into that last lap um, that it was said on the on the radio, um, and I think yeah they should have known my response already from what I said the week before. Um, and <laughs> after that race, yeah, we had some good discussion. We put everything on the table, and everything has been solved. So in hindsight, we should have had that conversation earlier, because I have never been a bad teammate to anyone. I've always been very helpful. And the team knows that. You know, I always put the team up front um, because at the end of the day, it is a, a team effort. Um, so, yeah, I think what we learned from that is that we have to be a little bit more open and we just have to communicate better to, to each other. But after that um, race, of course, um, yeah, I looked very bad, you know, in the media. But... Also, they didn't have the clear picture, but to immediately put me down like that is pretty ridiculous, to be honest, because they don't know how I work within the team and what um, you know the team appreciates about me. So all the things that I've read is pretty disgusting. Um, and also, even more than that, you know, they started attacking my family. They were threatening my sister, my mom, my girlfriend, my dad. And for me, that goes way too far. Well, you don't even have the facts, you know, of what actually was going on. And that definitely has to stop. If you have a problem with me, that's fine. But don't go after my family because that is just unacceptable. There's Max Verstappen. I'll start with you, Dan. There was a lot in that statement. I feel like the first half was damage control. Like that was just PR 101, right? Yeah, that was a rehearsed response. And he kind of was speaking out of both sides of his sides of his mouth. And on the one hand, he's saying, "Well, they didn't tell me until the last lap." And then on the other hand, he's he's saying, "But they sh- they should have known." But I, if I'm remembering correctly, watching the race, that call came. They played it through the feed on the uh, one lap to go before that. Sure. Yeah. So I feel like all of us watching from home were, were expecting him to do it because we had heard it a lap earlier. So so what I, they're saying off of the air, the, the thing that he said about the week before was obviously conversations that they had had. After Mexico, it must have been, right? right? And in the debriefs or whatever, and they're like, I had the conversation with them where I said, I have my reasons, and I'm not going to let I'm not going to let you guys do this. But Christian Horner doesn't go, let him through, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. if they had a complete understanding, right, of what it was supposed to be at that point. Like, but so, again, 
the PR 101 part where, but I, the, the the masterful move of uh, it's the old it's the old uh, PR judo. Yeah, he turned where, it back on the media. Hey, I can't believe you guys would make me look bad like this. Yeah, the instances of when they go, oh, I'm not a bad teammate. Like the guy has been a bad teammate before. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I'm like wondering. So what was you, Ricardo? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what yeah, he said yeah, yeah Red Bull like with Ricardo. In his eyes. No, and, th- and that's the thing is that I think that a lot of folks don't don't say stuff that doesn't make sense because this sport is not a team sport first. This is an mm-hmm. individual performance, mm-hmm. and the teams happen to be something that make it part of an interesting full picture of how we do these races, right? You have a team situation, you have a constructor's title that is way below the interest level of what these racers are trying to do. They are not trying to be good teammates. They are trying to be, yeah, it's part of it, and it helps. And it is, we talked about this last week, Dan, it's not good for you to be a bad teammate. Like, it looks really, really, really bad. Mm. Mick Schumacher did this all of his career, right? Mm. He put himself first. He was a champion. Michael, Michael, or Michael Schumacher, yeah. yeah. Michael Schumacher did that his entire career. He put himself number one and to the detriment of others, right? Sometimes making really dumb moves because it was like, I'm gonna win, I'm gonna win these championships. And so we expected it from the kind of the old crowd. But I don't know. Carlos, you tell me, was this uh was this was this Max just trying to do the uh, personal damage control, or was it one of these things that like what do we really learn about Red Bull Racing, and do you think he and Checo are in a good place as we kind of heard as well today? I mean, I think the blowout this past week has been amazing all all over the internet. It's just been nonstop, and I think Red Bull did a good job saying, listen, we need to get ahead of this. We need to control what's being said, and I think that's just what it is. Pretty good PR. They even asked Checo, you know, how do you feel about last week? And they're like, well, you know, we did talk about it. It's all good now. Like, we're good. I'm like, it's not. It's not all good. Because obviously there's some stuff behind even, you know, going back to Mexico on why he didn't let you go by. So there is history there. So it's not all good as they're saying. That's, I just, yeah, that's, that's the part, too, where you go. Look, we all know that that's not. And that's tough, too, because it was. Checo has been a good teammate, it seems like. Yeah. It all does. The other thing was everybody goes, well, just tell us what the reasons were. Well, we don't need to share that stuff. That's inside the team. It's like, well, just give us some context of how we can understand better. And then we have to go back and we have to go frame by frame of the Monaco race on that last corner right. to see how it was. And then we go, I think he put it in the wall. And then there's rumors about whether or not he did. And so I don't know. It, it was just added drama to a week that's already full of drama because we're getting to the end of the season. And now yeah. you have no Mick Schumacher in Formula One next year, which is a shame. Yeah. No Daniel Ricardo, no Danny Rick in F1, which is a shame. Sebastian Vettel. It's weird because over the last few weeks, it seems like he's been opening the door a little bit for the possibility of maybe coming back. But that is, those are three really good seats that are being given up by guys who I think probably still deserve to be in the sport. But F1 is this weird animal. How does it work when they just, when you get rid of those three guys and just assume that maybe these younger guys or old retreads are going to be uh, effective? You got Hulkenberg coming back to ha- to to the Haas team with uh, with Kevin Magnuson. Uh, you've got. Seb leaving, and uh, that Aston Martin seat's going to be taken by Fernando. Yeah. And then uh, the Alpine seat, I think uh, Gasly's going over there to, to to Alpine, right? Which will right. be fun. Which will be interesting, right? You get a couple yeah. of uh, French Two guys besties. who are yeah, yeah. They're yeah. grumpy at each other all the time. Uh, but, yeah, you, you it's weird. because And then Danny Rick's out of McLaren, and then you got uh, DeVry, who's going to drive for McLaren next year. So uh, what does it look like then? What's the next? What's next year look like uh, across the grid? What are we supposed to be expecting out of these new faces? I mean, I don't know what it looks like, but it definitely. I mean, Magnussen came back, right? Now we have people. I mean, people come back with Alonso came back, so I mean, I think it looks good for Ricardo to say, "Hey, all these all phases are coming back." So it looks for it looks good for him that he might have a seat, maybe if not next year, the year after. 
Um, you know, there might be a seat, a seat there. I think Vettel, too, has kind of hinted of, you know, I wouldn't hate to do a comeback <laughs> if there was an open seat. Um, and definitely Mick, which was weird to me that has kind of let him go. He was a Ferrari Academy driver. Yeah, I don't know why. Why what happened there. The relationship's kind of broken in half or something because I'm not sure – why he's I think everybody's kind of confused about that, right? Dan, what yeah. do you think it is? I don't know why they would, why uh, Mick Schumacher would leave that seat. I know that people have talked yeah. about how much he lost the team money wise at the beginning of the year, but he but he kind of got his wheels under him the rest of the year. Yeah, I think we remember we tend to remember more the like good finishes that he's had this year and tend to forget that he's like ripped three cars in half. <laughs> and I think if you're Gene Haas and you're you're not spending to the cost cap, like this team does not have a cost cap budget. They supposedly are going to next year with this new sponsor. So that's good that like they're on a better financial footing. But man, it gets expensive when you like it. There, there's shunts into the wall that most of the time it's like, okay, we're just gonna change out a few components. This isn't a big New deal. Gearbox, and then there's like, whatever. There, then it's like you separate the car in two halves, and it's like that chassis's done. That's a fifteen that's, million that's dollar, a very expensive yeah. wreck. And I guess I, I think Mick has had enough of those where I think they've had to do the calculus around like, what do we need at Haas right now? We need stability, and we need probably some experience to be able to develop our car because we're gonna have more budget now right mm. so i feel like that they looked at it as nico holkenberg being an experienced driver who may not win them uh you know he doesn't any races him. he doesn't win them i you know <laughs> i don't know get if, on podiums yeah either. and you know maybe he fit he finishes a little bit ahead in the points of where mick uh did this year but he's not gonna hopefully theoretically not uh you know, destroy a bunch of cars along the way. Yeah. And they can, you know, use this next year as, as development. What's interesting is they only signed Nico to um, a one-year contract and Magnuson's on the, going to be going in the second year of a second contract. So they have no contractor drivers in 2024. Huh. So it feels like it's a development year with a, okay, you know, if this goes well and the sponsor re-ups, then, you know, we'll be able to maybe invest in the typicals, uh, you know, veteran and, you know, uh, rookie driver or, yeah. you know, young, Let's young talent. I, let's look at these seats because I got a couple of them mixed up. But but here's I'm, I'm showing you guys the definitive uh, driver lineup of 2023 here: Verstappen and and Perez at Red Bull, uh, Ferrari with Sainz and, and Leclerc, Gasly and Ocon at Alpine, Hamilton Russell at Mercedes, Norris and uh, Piastri at McLaren, Bottas and Joe uh, Guanyu at uh, Alfa Romeo, Magnussen Hulkenberg at Haas. DeVries, Sunoda uh, at AlphaTauri. That's a great situation for Nick DeVries, by the way. Like, you feel like he's already going in there and they're already going to give him a length of rope because you're a brand new guy. And you kind of go, hey, do your thing. And I feel like that's a, a teammate he could probably do some damage against. Yeah. Stroll, Alonzo, Aston Martin, Albon Sargent at uh, Williams. Who's the worst driver lineup there in that? Is it, is it uh, DeVries, Sunoda there at uh, AlphaTauri? Yeah, I think that's your, that's your youngest pair. Yeah. I think. Uh, my my bold prediction is going to be that so uh, Joe Guan Yu makes it, you know, to the end of his contract, and then they bring Mick Schumacher back there in preparation for Audi to take over in twenty 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 six. So when is Alfa Romeo going to be out totally? Then do you remember what the I think they have one more year, and then they go to and Sauber, then, and then they they'll be like two seasons as Sauber, and then they'll be Audi they'll be in twenty six. That'd be a good move, uh, Audi, and then that's when you bring back uh, Vettel. He'll be 100 years old at that point, but he'll be, he'll be <laughs> racing. He could do it. Yeah, why not? He he ends up uh, on that on that uh, on that Audi team, a German team, Schumacher and Vettel. That's like every sponsor's dream. You could cut that car in half 20 times if you're uh, Mick Schumacher, probably still make a profit <laughs> yeah. because of those names. 
What's the most exciting lineup uh, for you? Not the usual suspects either. Your Hamilton Russells and your Verstappen Perez is Leclerc signs. I think we know that those guys are all proven. It's just about where the car is for those guys. But what's a lineup that you look at and you go, I'm actually excited for those dudes? To me, it's McLaren. Yeah, I was going to say the same. Yeah, Norris Piastri. Young people. I mean, Norris is still young. Piastri is also a young promise. Um, very, very fast. And I think those two are going to be pushing each other very, very hard. I think I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Norris is that guy who's he screws around a ton. He plays around a ton. And I think this year he got real serious. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like you've seen a more serious uh, Lando Norris this year because he's supposed to he's supposed to be the guy winning his first F1 uh, race. You know, he's supposed to be the guy. It must have just absolutely thrown him uh, for a loop when when uh, Danny Rick got a win in a, in a McLaren seat and he mm-hmm. didn't. You yeah. know, it's just like, and he's obviously the more talented guy out of that group, or at yeah. least it, that that's what the uh, you know that's what the, the look was. But um, also, I also love how ruthless he was with Ricardo. Like people are like, do you feel bad for him? But he's like, no, no way, no. Which mm. to me was like, I don't know you could feel a little bit of like empathy on what he's going through. It's really hard if you don't feel for the car. And it's like, no, no. That's that's what it is. That's life. And who, you know, who's going to have the uh, the most difficult first go in the F one seat? You got Logan Sargent, the rookie. You've got DeVries, the rookie. Uh, you've got, uh, and then you've got Piastri, obviously, who's the rookie. Which one of those guys uh, is going to be struggling the most next year? When you're in a Williams, you're already kind of struggling, but that's that's a hard that's a hard pill to swallow, right? When you come out of this thing, but. Alex Albon's a good teammate, and he's a guy who actually probably outdrives the car most weeks. Yeah. So that might be a, a good one to kind of go up against. Or it might be bad because he'll be 40 seconds ahead of you, yeah. <laughs> you know, in a, in a, in a similar car. But uh, who's, got the, who's got the longer road ahead to get better? I think it's Logan Sargent. I think he's the one coming in with, like, a, a, a more to prove. I think Piastri and DeVry have just been around the paddock more around F1, and it was kind of more presumptive that they were going to get a seat. And then Logan Sargent just kind of came out of nowhere and feels a little bit like a business decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, again, like you said, Albon is just really experienced and he's fast. Right. And so I think he has the most to prove. A lot of eyes will be on him. Is this going to be a close? Is this going to be a close grid at the top at least next year? Are we are we seeing something with, with the development that we've seen with, uh, with the Mercs over the past few weeks where we go... Shoot, these guys are going to do it again next year. Or is Red Bull just shutting her down for 2022 and they're already fired up into 2023 to be competitive against Mercedes? They have to be a little bit nervous about uh, what they've seen in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. I think, and also Red Bull taking a little bit of a hit because of last year's budget. So it will be, I think it will be fun. Mercedes is going to definitely step forward the most, I think. Ferrari also, too. And I don't know. I think it's going to be close. I think. There's a lot to prove, and the top three teams are going to be there for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think Mercedes is showing that their development is is catching up to uh, Red Bulls, which will be uh, slowed next year, um, as uh, as well as I think Ferrari. We'll see. Rumors are Benotto is going to get oh, uh, yeah. pushed out because so many of the setbacks for Ferrari have felt self-inflicted this mm. year. Um, just kind of process and just running a team versus actual technical development. So I think if you brought in uh, somebody who could stabilize the team and just execute, then I think they'll be more competitive. What is the, uh, like, I mean, I was looking at, I was looking at that with, uh, with Benotto and the possibility of him. Now they, they said, no, no, there's, those are, those are unfounded rumors, but uh, what's his name? Fred Vasseur from, uh, from Alfa Romeo is that his name. Mm. Uh, that's the guy who everybody's talking about. He'd be the one who would come in mm. Is is Ferrari like? Is there a real issue? The guy at the top, and or or, or are they just? I mean, what's Ferrari's real issue? Because money's not a thing, uh, style's not a thing, 
all those things are supposed to be. They're supposed to be the number one team in F one almost every. They have no reason not to be every year. Yeah, you're the Ferrari guy. You're the yeah. Ferrari guy, mm-hmm. uh, 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 or at least you're the guy who knows more about Ferrari's woes than most. Too. I, I feel like it is starts at the top. I think it's a cultural thing. It's just repeated uh, dumb mistakes. Just has to be systematic to how they train, prepare with the level of execution that they expect from each other. And I just think that has to start at the top. And you kind of hear it from Benotto throughout the the season was like, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. And he w- didn't really sense like he was taking ownership that like, no, this is not well, this isn't going well. And we need to, um, you know, make big changes. And so if I am, uh, you know, Ferrari owner, I think that that's where I would start is with the team principal. Yeah. Uh, you're a Carlos Sainz lover, yes. Uh, Carlos, as a as a fellow Spaniard, that's a guy who's working his tail off, and the car just seems to be falling further and further, further back. How do they make that next step then next year? What does Ferrari have to do? I, I think it's, it's what you said: it's a reshuffle of of really the team um, because all the mistakes that they've had all through the year and they haven't fixed it. It just keep it keeps happening. Bad strategies, bad calls to right. the point that the drivers. I mean, Sainz had to call in the team and say, "No, no, let's do this instead." Because he, I feel, I feel like he knows how to read the race while he, um, he's in the car, and you see those mistakes not being taken by Mercedes or Bull. They also know how to read the race, but it's just Ferrari who's making those mistakes from qualifying last last week, getting the wrong tires on, just everything, and it's just they're not changing. So there needs to be change there for sure. Uh, one of my favorite storylines out of this week has be has become, of course, this uh, this gem from uh, 2017. And the new driver lineup that includes these two gentlemen right here. So here you go. Once again, of course, I'm sport of driver. There it is, the classic right there. <laughs> Those guys are going to be teammates. Uh, that's not going to come up, is it? These guys have grown up out of that thing. That's five years ago now at this point. This is Kevin Magnuson. And Nico Hulkenberg, those are those guys have both lived a full lifetime. I feel like since then yeah. they've both been in and now back. Or they've been both been out and been back into F one again. Yeah, I think they're just happy to be back. I think they're just going to enjoy it. They're just both happy to be there in Formula One where they were, you know, sacked pretty much. Yeah, the yeah, other careers could have ended easily. Yeah, Gunter just, Steiner's like I feel like a fun slash uh, scary boss to have. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, oh yeah, it'd be kind of interesting to have those two guys. But I, that's what they've. Their whole thing is if we're going to get rid of Mick Schumacher, we can't just give it up for somebody who they weren't going to put a br- another brand new name in. Mm-hmm. It had to be somebody who probably had some F one uh, chops already. It's interesting because has just a couple of years ago their philosophy was two new young drivers, and mm-hmm. everyone said red flags, right? Red flags. That's not smart. Keep one. That you know. And now next year is going to be different. Like they just changed their philosophy. That obviously yeah. didn't work out, and now they're going to have. More experienced drivers to make, and other teams are like, we like the two young dudes. We're going to try that out. We'll figure that out with a couple new drivers uh, yeah. on some of these teams and give them a shot. My, All right, my, let's go. My question: Yeah, who will finish higher in the standings next year, Nico or Kevin? Oh, that's a good question because I don't know how good the car is going to be. Yeah, like that yeah. Ferrari power unit uh, covered up a multitude of some of the sins mm-hmm. that uh, that that team probably had. I think I, I think it's got to be Kevin because mm-hmm. because Kevin like for some reason he found some weird extra gear, got a super weird pole, but it's a pole nonetheless. He still did the lap. Yeah, and other yeah. guys has it's legit. It's it was a legit pole. It's a yeah. it's a pole. Nobody likes to have a red flag in a session, but like you can't ask him not to do that. He had a good lap. He put it in. He want, he got that pole position fine. That's got to be an added something too. And on top of it. I mean, this is the most points I've seen Haas get yeah. in years, right? You know, and so, so this is a guy who I think has kind of revamped his career a little bit, has a kid now, 
settled down, probably has a lot fewer of these incidents or at least crossing paths with drivers like that. Nico Hulkenberg is always interesting because he he just seems like a guy who is, hey, you are a solid driver, but I never get like the winning attitude out of him. I mean, certainly yeah. not winning. He's never he's never been on a podium. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested, but I just think I think Kevin having this last year under him and knowing that Haas car maybe a little bit better just for an extra year is probably boy the best thing that could have happened to them was getting rid of uh, was uh, uh, Nikita Mazepin. <laughs> Nikita Mazepin. Mazepin. That's a Maz- DJ. He's a DJ now. Did that you see totally that? makes yeah. sense. Yeah, he's a Russian DJ. Hey, listen. What, he didn't go to another race. I mean, that's that's the commitment you have, right? Like, if I'm in a Formula One, I'm just going to be a DJ. Just, yeah. Why Dad, not? Dad, I can't, can I be a DJ? Yeah, just like, son, you pick out whatever. Pick whatever career you want, son. Do whatever you like to do. This is this is where you could just, Dad, I want to be an F1 driver. We'll make it happen, son. And then it doesn't happen. And they're like, look, okay, you're out. The best thing that could have happened to this team was, uh, yeah. was that because now Jeez. they have two veteran drivers. Yep. And... Um and and their prospect looks a lot looks really really good next year considering those guys have that much uh, that much experience. All right, let's get to Abu Dhabi final race of the year. You and I talked about Dan about how weird it is that you go we go through this whole circuit over here. We we've been on a full tour of the Americas over here and then we fly everybody in two seconds across the world on an eighteen hour flight and all their gear and everything to Abu Dhabi. So uh, what do we expect out of Yas Marina? Who's taking this? race more seriously or who's not taking it very seriously obviously red bull has zero to race for unless you're checo you want that second place so there's going to be some drama still there but what are the things that are sticking out in this race for you yeah i think that all the teams have moved on to 2023 in terms of development so i expect the race to play out like how the last few have so i mercedes to be competitive mm-hmm. i think you're right that probably uh sergio and his team care more uh, and you know we'll see how much Max can. What can he even do to help other than maybe get out of his way or hold hold uh, uh, Charles up if if necessary. So I think that uh, it's going to be an exciting race uh, with uh, I think uh, Red Bull and uh, Mercedes fighting it out. And uh, I I predict that Sergio takes second uh, above Charles. Oh, in the overall standings. in the overall standings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could see that too. Yeah. They'll do all they can. I mean, but pace wise, they. I don't think they were even the second fastest car last week in the race, mm-mm, right? Mm-mm. So how do they? Yeah, does this track lend I, I just think this, lend a little bit more to their the, their their car? Yeah, I think so. I think this track has um, some longer sections, like on that back stretch. There's two really long sections that I think are both are DRS sections, and uh, Red Bull has just shown that they have insane straight line speed and DRS advantage, and so um, I think it'll play back into their hands a bit more uh, than uh, Interlagos, which was uh, pretty different. Mm-hmm. This is the last race of the year. There's going to be still some drama, though. So what else? What else are we looking forward to in this race here, Carlos? Something that, like, you go, you know, I know it's the last race and a lot of stuff has already been decided, but there are those middle teams mm. that are still battling there for that extra I mean, money as well. Alpine and McLaren, is, I fighting think that it has, out. Yeah, they're going to fight it out until the end. And I think Alpine does have, looks like it has the, the upper hand. Um, so I think there should be no problem then, but who, I mean, who knows? And you also have, I think, Haas and Alfa Romeo are also are fighting close. for those yeah. for those points. So um, I think it's going to be a very interesting battle in the midfield for sure. I think everyone will be trying to get Sebastian Vettel a podium. Like I think oh, the whole great. grid is just going to like, what can we do to help him? They're going to do. I mean, it, the amount of spinning out they're going to do at the end of this race. Yeah, who's it going to be? Oh, Mick. the donuts. Yeah. The donuts is going to be Mick. Uh, is going to be have you Seb. Seen- <laughs> it's going to be Danny Rick. 
There's who a, else? There's Everybody's a meme, there. and it's like 20 whatever, where it was like the three of them were right. all, were yeah. all doing donuts, and then it's like 2022. It's the same three, but then it's uh, an Alpine, and it's on fire. <laughs> it's spinning on fire. Right. <laughs> like it's a Ferrari, but it has like the wrong tires on, and yeah. <laughs> it's got inters on for no reason. Uh, yeah, the, the last race, I just I want there to be drama. I'm one of those guys. I don't want anybody to crash yeah. and get hurt. But I want there to be somebody over the radio that has to be bleeped out. Well, I mean, the, that's just what I'm looking for. The question is, if if Max Verstappen has a chance to help Checo Perez, will he? He says he, he has, right? He, he says he's going to do it, that he will do it. But the question still remains, if there's a podium, if there's a win, would he give that up to help Checo win that? Because how much Why is we, that second place worth mm-hmm. against a podium or a win? Right. I don't – I mean, that's the thing is it doesn't really mean – a second place in the in the in the it doesn't uh, it doesn't mean anything. Nobody remembers who. Finishes no one cares who finishes last second. year, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And he'll <laughs> always and and Lewis will always remind us of yeah. last year. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about Lewis Hamilton. George Russell uh, is beating him on the head to head for the team of of Mercedes, and uh, Lewis got a little bit of that spark back though these mm-hmm. last few weeks because Merce- the car has been back. Yeah. So, is Lewis going to be a magnanimous teammate to George Russell? At some point, are we going to be seeing like a Nico Rosberg, uh, Lewis Hamilton type fight if the car is competitive next year? Hmm. I mean, I think, I mean, this year we know the first half, Hamilton was just playing with everything, and, and probably that's why George, I think, is ahead. Um, but next year, if things look promising, there might be for sure some more intense battles going on at Mercedes um, that they're going to have to like struggle with because those two are really, really quick. And they're competitive. Yeah. And. Lewis is like the number one PR spin master in the while in the car mm-hmm. making his statements <laughs> like his PR statements. So <laughs> I don't know. That's that Merck team is interesting because they're going to have their pace back guaranteed, which also means that they're going to have quite a battle on their hands because you have the guy who wants to be the world champion and you have the guy who really wants to be the world champion, wants to be the eight-time world champion to to kind of put that on and to prove to everybody that he's not old and busted. And mm-hmm. I think at some point halfway through this year, people were like. Dude, Lewis Hamilton, you don't have it anymore, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I'm looking forward to whatever Merck is going to bring next year, yeah. too. Yeah, I think he's racing with a chip on his shoulder, and he wants to get that eighth championship and just unequivocally be the best driver of all time. So I think he's racing for that, and I agree. George is really fast, and he's going to push uh, Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Lewis had every opportunity to uh, after that safety car to to pass George, but he couldn't. You know, He yeah. just wasn't quick enough, and so... I, I agree. I think they're going to fight it out next year. It'll be really interesting. It, I mean, it's so it's such a cool story to see, like, the photo of George Russell. He's, like, 10 or something, mm-hmm. and he's, like, shaking hands shaking with, with, with yeah. Lewis in F1, and then now, you know, they're racing together, and George's winning. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. Like, I love that story, and so I think that uh, it's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, it will be. Abu Dhabi, this Sunday, going to be the last race of the season. Things get decided, of course, uh, based off of what's going to happen this weekend, and then we go into... The off season, which isn't very long in F one, obviously, so we jump right in, and then we'll just be have we'll be able to have the off track drama stuff that's going on uh, as well. So uh, I'm Alex, Dan Jimenez, Carlos Fortune uh, joining us for the first. Did you have fun today? Oh, it was Carlos, great. Breaking yeah. it down a little bit, I'm trying to get. We're just trying to we're just trying to have some fun with this thing. This is a hobby for all of us. Yeah. So so here we are. Uh, so for all those guys, and for me, we'll be back again next week. Another edition of Mode Push. Talk to you then, everybody. We'll be right back.